Good evening. Welcome to uh, New Year's Eve program. Sounds like things are just uh, getting started. Might have a thunderstorm later. The day was celebrating maybe with some rain. So in a moment we'll uh, do some chanting together, evening chanting. And then I'll give you some teaching. After that we can have a break and you're welcome to have refreshments and stretch your legs. And then we'll carry on meditating until about 11.45 when uh, we can make our New Year's resolutions and the Sangha will lead you in chanting Paritas to bring in the new year. And then for those who are strong enough, we can carry on meditating through till 4 a.m. when we'll have our morning chanting and we'll finish the program after that. So I hope you all have chanting books and you can uh, turn to the page for evening chanting. Chanting and then Metta, Ahang Sukito Homi, and then Jara Damogi, and then maybe Sherry Merits, Imina. Sakarehi atarahang harobi 
देहि अभिपु जयामा Himesakare dukatapanna garabhute patikannatu Ammakangdi garatang hitaya sukhaya harahang samma sambudho Bhagawa Buddhang Bhagawanta Habiwade Sawakato Bhagawata Dhammo Dhamma Namasami Supatipanoam Bhagavato Savakasango Sangang Namami Handamayang Buddhasa Bhagavato Bhubabhaganamakarang Karomaseng Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Andamayang Buddha Nusatinayang Karomaseng Dangko Panam Bhagavandang Ewang Kalayano Itisado Abugato Itipiso Bhagawa Arahang Samma Sambudo Vijajaran Sampano Sugato Lokavidu Anuttaro Purisada Masaratisata Deva Mano Sanang Buddha Bhagavati Handamayang Buddha Begitting Karoma Seng Buddhavarahan Dhavarata Diguna Bido Sudha Binyana Karuna Hisamagatato 
บุตเสียสุจานาตังกามลังวาสุรวันดามังตามารานังเสราสัจเนนดังบุตโยสาบบานินาสารานังเหมามุตามังปัฏฐานุสัตติธานังวันดามิตังเสเรนังบุตรสาสมิดาสวะบุตรเมสามิกิสารบุตรดุขะสะขะตาจาวิดาตาใจตาสมิบุตรสังนิยเดมิสารีรังจิวิตังจิตังวันดันโดหังจารีสามิบุตรเสวะสุบดิตังนาทิเมสารนังอัญญาบุตรเมสารนังวารังเอตนาสัจวะเจนาวันเดียงสัตุสัสเนบุตรมิวันดามานีนายามปุญญังปัสตังอิดามสามเบบียามิมาเห็นสุงตาสเตจสัมกายนาวาจายวาเจตสาวาบุตรเอกุกามาปกตังไม่ยายังบุตรปฏิกันนาตัวใจยันตังกาลันตรสังวริตุบุตรอันดมายังดมานุสตินายังกาโรมาเซมสวัสดิ์ภากวัตดามโมสันติดิโกหากาลิโกเยปัสิโกโอปานาอิโกปัจจาเวดิตาโบเวญโยหิติอันดมายังดมาบิกิติงการุมาเซงสวัสดิ์ตดิกุณายโยกาวเสนเสโยโยมากาปากาปาริยติวิโมกาเมโนามุกุลงกาปตานันตาตาดารีดารีวันดามหันตมารยังวรธรรมเมตัง
ดามยสบปานินะสารนังเขมามุตมังดุติยานุสัทธานังวันดามิตังสิเรนังตามาสะหัสมิดาสวะตามโมเมสามิกิสารตามโมดุขสะสวิดาตาจิตัสมิตามาสังนิยเดมิสดิรังจิวิตังจิดังวันดันโดหังจาริสามิตามาเสวาสุดามาตังนันทิเมสารนังอัญญาตามโมเมสารนังวารังเอเดนัสัจวะเจนะวันเดียงสัตุสัสเนตามเมวันดามาเนยยามปุญญังบาสุตังอิดาสัมเบียนตารายามะมาเหนสุตาสเตจัสกายนวันสยวันเจตสาวะตามเมกุกรรมปะกตังมยายังตามโมปฏิกันนาดวจยันตังกาลันตเรสังวริตุวัสมิหันดามยังสังกานุสัตินายังกาโรมาเซงสุปฏิปันโนบากาวตุสังโกอุจุปฏิปันโนบากาวตุสาวกสังโกญาญาปฏิปันโนปากาวตุสาวกสังโกสามีจิปฏิปันโนบากาวโตสาวกสังโกยาดิดาจตาริปุริสายุกานิอาทัปุริสัปุกาลังเอสามบากาวโตสาวกสังโกอาวเนยอปาวเนยอดังคิเนยออันจะเลการณียออนุตาระปุญญังเขตังโลกาสัทิขันธมยังสังกาบิกิติงกาโรมาเซงสันดามโยสุปฏิปฏิกุณามิโนโยดามิโน
สังกัสโตสิลาดิดามาปาวาราสยากายจิตโตวันดามาหังตามาริยานังกานังสุสุดังสังโยสาบาปานินาสารานังเขมามุตามังตาติยานุสันติธานวันดามิตังสิเรนังสังกัสหัสมิดาสวะสังโฆเมสามิกิสารสังโฆดุขสัตาจาวิดาตาจิตาสเมสังกัสหังนิยเดสารีรังจิวิตังจิตังวันดันโตหังจารุสามิสังกัสุปฏิปันตังนาทิเมสารนังอัญญาสังโฆเมสารนังวารังเอตนาสัจวะเจนะวันเดียสัทุสัสเนมสังฆามวันดามานนายามบุญยังปัสตังอิดาสามเปิอันตรายามมาเห็นสุตาสเตจัสกายนวัชายวจิตสาวสังเกตุกรรมปกตังไม่ยายังสังโฆปฏิกันนัตวาชยันตังกาลันตเรสังวริตุวาสังเเฮันดามายังอบินาบัจเวคานาปาทังบนามาเซมจารดามโอมิจารังอานาติโต I am of the nature to age I have not gone beyond aging 
บายาดิดามโมเมบายาดิงอาณาติโต I am of the nature to sicken I have not gone beyond sickness มารานังดัมโมมีมารานังอาณาติโต I am of the nature to die I have not gone beyond dying สามเบหิเมปิเอหิมานาเบหินานาบาวหินาบาวะ All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. Will become separated from me. Kama sakomi, kama dayado, kama yoni, kama bandu, kama badisarano. ยังกามังกาลิสามิกาลยานังวาบาบากังวาตัสสะทายาโดปวิสามิ I am the owner of my karma into my karma born of my karma related to my karma Abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I will be the same. Amhehe abhinang panchavekitabang. Thus we should frequently recollect. Is forty six, four six. Ahang sukito mi niduko mi awero mi abayabajo mi aningo mi sukiata ng pariharami. สามเบสัตตาสุขิตาหันตุสามเบสัตตาอวัยรหันตุสามเบสัตตาอบายาปัจจหันตุสามเบสัตตาอนิกาหันตุสามเบสัตตาสุขิอาตานาปาริหารันตุ
สเบสัตตาสัปดุขาปมุชันตุสเบสัตตาลาดาสัมปติโตมาวิกาชันตุสเบสัตตากรมสักกรรมดายาดากรรมโยนกรรมบัณฑุกรรมปฏิสารนายังกรรมกัลิสันติกาลยานังวะปะปะกังวะตัสดายาดาปะวิสันติเมียยาบายดินวาบิงอินรีดัมฟรามาฟลิกชันอินรีดัมฟรามาสเปลิตีอินรีดัมฟรามเอลเวลอินรีดัมฟรามเองใจตีแอนเมียเมนเดนวาบิงอินไมซลฟ Mebrivana bhairin vabing in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may they maintain well-being in themselves. May all beings cease from all suffering. And may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained. When they act upon intention, all beings are the owners of their action, and inherit its results. Their future is born from such action, companions to such action. And its results will be their home. Our actions will intention, be they skillful or harmful. Of such acts, they will be the end. Page thirty-one. อันดามายังอุดิสนาดิธานกาทายโยบนามาเสงอิมินาปุญญากรรมเมนาอุปจายากุณุตาราอาจาริโอปาการาจามาตาปิตาจัญญาตากาสุริโอจันติมาราจากุณาวันตานาราปิจาบราหมมาราจาอินราจาโลกาปาลาจาเดวตายามโมมิตามนุสาจามาจาตาเวริกาปิจาสัพเพสัตตาสุขิหันตุปุญญานิปักตานิเม
สุขังจัดิวิดังเดนตุขิปามปามเพตโรมาตังเอมินาปุญญากัมเมนาเอมินาอุดิเสนาจักขิปาหังสุลาเบเจวะดันดุปาดานเจดานังเยสันตานิหินานดัมมายาวานิบานโตมามังนาสันตุสัมปดายเอวายาทาจัตโตภเวภเวหุชุจิตังสติปัญญาสัลเลโกวิริยังหินามารลบัตโลกาสังกาตุงจาวิริเอสุเมบุตาดิปาวโรนาทุตัมโมนาทุวโรตัมโมนาทุปัจเจกบุตโตจาสังโกนาทุตโรมามังเดโสตัมมานุภาเวนะมารุกาสังลบันตุมาดาสปุญญานุภาเวนะมารุกาสังลบันตุมโอ้วิ่งมาถึงที่ล่าสุดของปีของแคลนเดอร์ปีนี้ตอนนี้เป็นเวลาเดือนของปีเราที่เราจะรีวิวปีที่แล้วว่าจะเป็นชีวิตประจำวันหรือประเทศหรือคุณภาพการแสดงหรือเศรษฐกิจ People do all kinds of reviews, and then there's the expectation for the new year: what we want, what we hope for. 
the Buddha reminded us that really the most important time is always here and now, the present moment. Encouraged us not to dwell on the past. The good that's been done was good, but it's over with. The bad that was done, the mistakes, it wasn't good, but it's over with. We have to accept you can't go back in time. So we can learn from the past, but we can't change it. And the future hasn't happened yet. Um, probably everyone will agree you've all meditated regularly now so you know whatever you plan or think of for the future it never happens like you imagine it's always different so don't make too many fixed plans because you're always getting disappointed or surprised when things don't go the way you thought they would do So the present moment is actually the most valuable moment for us any time in our life. It's right here and now. It's the one time you can know exactly what is going on. And this is what the Buddha encouraged us to do, know yourself, understand yourself, so you can gain some wisdom. Because wisdom is our most valuable asset or quality. What is it that cuts off the experience of pain and suffering for a person is wisdom. Understanding where suffering and stress comes from, what you must do to relieve yourself of it and end it. That's wisdom in Buddhism. So wisdom is the most useful thing we have. But often we forget that. We say the most useful thing is my phone or my computer or my partner or my house or my this or my that we have many things that we give great importance to and value and often we don't value wisdom very much we don't put much effort into um, developing wisdom so it's very good that you're here tonight coming to meditate and listen to the Dhamma chant and reflect on the teachings because this is a way we can develop more wisdom and do something good for ourselves. When we recollect the Buddha, our teacher, and all the Sangha, the living Sangha, or those from the past, one of the qualities that they embody is wisdom. See, the qualities of the Buddha is purity of mind, free from suffering, free from greed, anger, and delusion. He has compassion, and he has great wisdom. Compassion comes from wisdom. It's when you understand something, you understand your mind, you understand how suffering arises, it leads on to compassion. Once you understand yourself, you also understand others, and you have that wish to free yourself and others from suffering, because you know it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to, to be. It's the right attitude to have in your life. So wisdom and compassion go together. 
a well-known teaching of the Buddha is uh, loko patambiko metta. The uh, metta supports the world. Goodwill, kindness supports the world. So another quality closely related to wisdom is kindness, goodwill. It's in our own best interest as human beings to develop goodwill for ourselves and for others in equal amounts. Because it's what supports the world, supports our world, our personal world, and then it supports the the wider world. In Buddhism, sometimes we compare goodwill or kindness to water, the element of water. Water has so many useful qualities. It cools you down on a hot day, can put out a fire, can quench your thirst, can clean you or clean something that's dirty. It has all these good qualities. But another quality of water is it binds things together. If you make food, you know, a lot of food you make, you make dough for bread or a cake, and then you use water to bind the flour together. Even this body that we inhabit, it's bound together by water. It's something we often forget. You know, a human body is, the majority of it is water. It's not solid things, it's liquid things. Water is the glue that holds all the cells together. Each cell contains water and it binds them together. Even though we notice the hard bits more, the bone and the the structure of the body, it's actually the water that holds everything together. So metta has this quality of being like water. Entire Lumpur Chao used to say Nam Jit Nam Jai. Nam means water, Jit Jai means heart or mind. So it's the water of the mind, water of the heart that binds people together. So New Year's Eve is a time to you know, remember and celebrate the fact that we're living this world together billions and billions of people and animals and creatures and although there is conflict (laughs) there's still conflict in people's hearts and conflicts between people the majority of people are actually living together peacefully that's because they have some of this water of the heart it binds society together communities together families together but it starts in our heart uh, with an intention. Like we just chanted, may I be well, may I be free from suffering, may all beings be well, may all beings be free from suffering. And this is bringing up the thought of goodwill or metta, so it's bringing up the water of the heart. So it has a cleansing effect, cleanses your mind from the opposite from the things that make it hot. And we usually think of heat as something external, fires and the sun and all that. But the real heat in the world is the heat in our hearts. When we give in to our greed, selfishness, anger, it heats us up. 
we say somebody when they're very angry they're hot-headed they're very impatient we say they're hot metta cools them down cools us down cools other people down so it's a quality the Buddha said we must develop every day as part of our life as human beings and as long as society has metta in the hearts of people, then we can live together, work together, function together. When we lose our metta, we break apart. So whether it's a family or workplace or society as a whole, when we lose our metta, things go wrong. We have trouble, we have suffering. Even in one person's heart, when they lose their metta, then their own heart is broken apart and all these more negative qualities will flow in where the, where the water of the heart, the metta has disappeared and then the anger, cruelty, the fear, the anxiety will all flow in and fill it up. So the Buddha encouraged us to practice metta every day. Metta for ourselves, metta for others to help, help us through life. You think about it, Australia, although we live here, we might hear some bad news about this or that. The fact that you can live peacefully, go about your business peacefully, is because the overwhelming majority of people have metta in their heart. They're acting like human beings should, should act, can act. When human beings have metta, then they can treat each other, each other reasonably, with friendliness, with respect. And we're not out to hurt each other or compete with each other to the point where we, we damage each other, hurt each other. So you walk down the street, you know, go into Melbourne on a normal day, normally speaking, you can walk down the street and nobody bothers you. It's because people have metta. Or you can live in your house, wherever it is, and nobody will come in and attack you. Of course, there are exceptions to this, but generally speaking, you can live in peace because people have metta. From metta, then people develop also develop forgiveness and understanding, karuna, compassion. They go hand in hand. Metta is like the quality of acceptance, acceptance of other people the way they are. doesn't mean to say you like them or agree with them or love them, but you accept them as human beings. You have a basic respect for other people. This is what we have in our society, generally speaking. It's the minority who may lose their metta and hurt other people or act in ways that are say aggressive or so selfish that they hurt others. Majority of people have metta. It starts when we're kids, we receive metta from our parents. And the Buddha said the best example of metta is a mother, her unconditional love for her child. There's no when a mother has a young child, there's no 
question of you know, condi- putting conditions on the love, the kindness, it's just automatic. And even animals will have this. You live in the monastery here, if you come across a kangaroo with a joey, you don't mess with mother kangaroo <laughs> because she will mess with you. <laughs> you don't mess with mother duck who has a baby duck because mother duck will mess with you. Whatever the animal or the bird, that instinct to protect, support, look after the young is there. And we all have that. But it can be developed further. Our meta in the beginning tends to be quite narrow, just for ourselves or maybe our immediate family. But the Buddha encouraged us to develop metta on a much wider scale as a practice, a conscious practice. So like we just chanted, we, we chant, may all beings be free from hatred, ill will, hostility, anxiety, May, may they not be parted from the good fortune they've attained. So that's the opposite of jealousy, isn't it? When you wish someone to be successful and to be happy and keep their happiness and success, it's being the opposite of being jealous of them. Why would the Buddha have us practice that as an attitude? Because it's good for us as well as them. It's what we call free happiness. If someone else is successful and we accept that and we recognize that and share in their success, then we are happy. And we don't have to do anything other than witness their success, their happiness. So it's like free happiness. You can think of anyone you know in your life or people further away in the world. If you hear about somebody or see somebody doing something good or enjoying some good health or some success at work or meditating and getting peaceful, whatever, you can share in that. And you wish them that they keep their success and you're happy and they're happy. Or if you encounter people who are suffering, then you wish them to be free from suffering, just as you wish yourself to be free from suffering and you wish others to be free from suffering. And the more we practice what the Buddha taught, the more we understand, you know, suffering, really suffering doesn't belong to anyone. We say it's a quality that's anatta, it's not self. It just arises through causes and conditions. So if you look at the big picture, anytime anybody reduces their suffering a little bit in the world, meaning they remove the causes of suffering from their mind, even if only temporarily or a little bit, then the whole world benefits. It's like the the amount of suffering in the whole world has gone down by one unit. So that could be you, it could be your friend, it could be a total stranger, it doesn't matter. Anyone who re- practices removing greed, anger and delusion, causes of suffering from their mind, then they do the world a favor. That's why when people say meditators are selfish and you know just not not facing reality or trying to escape the world, they don't understand at all. <laughs> when you meditate and you're removing some of your own anger, your greed, your attachment from your mind, you're doing something good for everyone. The world's suffering has gone down a notch or a unit. 
Right? We like to measure things in terms of these days, you know, statistics. So they, they measure the gross national output or gross domestic product, all these terms, say for Australia, how much all of you earn and how much you produce. It's always in economic terms. That's why if you go to Bhutan and they have a different way of doing it, they have gross national happiness. <laughs> how much happiness did people produce this year? How happy are their people? A very smart country. They use Buddhist principles to measure happiness. Economics, it's important. We all need to eat and to have a place to live, but in the end it's not a real guideline to happiness, is it? But when we come to practice the Buddhist teachings, we are doing something concrete to reduce our suffering and reduce the suffering of others around us. So maybe we should introduce some measurement for that, you know, at the end of the year, how much people have practiced and reduced the all the suffering in the world. Of course, it's difficult to measure, but as an idea, it's not a bad idea. One of the most famous suttas or teachings the Buddha gave, the Metta Sutta, we'll maybe chant, chant it later tonight. It's a good story why, why, why did the Buddha teach Metta or what was the situation? that led him to teach metta, or that sutta. There was a time when a group of monks, like we do, we go out wandering in the forest, go to a new forest where no one lives, just a quiet forest, looking for somewhere to meditate for a while. And they went out to this new place, and they set up camp and started meditating. And suddenly they experienced this terrible smell, like the smell of dead bodies or rotten rotten corpse or rubbish. A really foul smell started to come out into the forest. And they're trying to be very patient with it and meditate on. This horrible smell was just continuing on until they started to fall sick. The smell was so overpowering. If you've ever been around a very foul smell long enough, it can actually make you faint makes you weak at the knees. So they started to get ill. So they thought, oh, we can't stay in this forest anymore. The smell is just overwhelming. So they packed up and walked back to see the Buddha. They got back to where the Buddha was staying at his monastery and they're all kind of looking very pale, weak. Some of them were falling over. So the Buddha said, what happened? They told him the story. They went to the forest to meditate. And they set up camp. And as long as they were living in that forest, there was this terrible smell. It made them feel so ill they couldn't stay there. And the Buddha said, well, did you practice any meditation on the theme of goodwill, kindness, or metta? And the monks, oh, no, no, forgot that. I think they were practicing mindfulness of breathing, which is a good meditation, but they hadn't consciously spread thoughts of kindness to any beings, maybe living in that area, spirits or beings or people. So the Buddha said, oh, oh you, should, you should be practicing metta. You've gone to a new place. You should be practicing metta for whoever's there because it's a new place and you're new to it. 
you can't just go in and expect the people there to accept you. You should go in and be very humble and not proud, not arrogant. You have to be very humble and spread lots of thoughts of kindness and metta. So he gave this teaching we call the Metta Sutta. And then he sent them back. <laughs> That's more metta, isn't it? Metta from the Buddha. Instead of saying, oh, that place was a bad place for you to practice, never mind, come here and practice here. The Buddha said, oh, go back. <laughs> Do some metta over there. Sometimes metta is like that. It's not always giving people what they want or what's the easy way. Sometimes the kindest thing for someone is to give them a challenge, a task or a teaching that will let them grow and learn from their experience. It's like kids, isn't it? If you've got kids, you don't just give them what they want all the time. Otherwise, they, they become very kind of spoiled, difficult to manage, and they're not happy. Sometimes kids, you have to give them discipline or make them do things they don't initially want to do go to school, do homework and all that monks are the same the Buddha didn't just say oh monks just have a good time here you don't have to go back he said oh you go back and you have to practice more so he sent them back to the same forest, same smell he said this time you practice loving kindness meditation and you chant recite the verses of the Metta Sutta So they went back and these spirits who had never encountered Buddhism, Buddhist teachings before, they're a bit rough and ready. You know, not all not all spirits or devas are like, you know, little fairies all friendly and nice in the forest. Some of them are a bit tough, especially when they haven't encountered good people before. So the monks had to sit down every day spreading metta. Gradually those spirits living in that forest started to quieten down, calm down, get used to the monks. And then they started to enjoy the presence of the monks because they had so much goodwill and compassion flowing around the forest that they all felt, oh, this is good. So the smell just disappeared all by itself and the monks carried on practicing there. So this is the effect of metta when we practice it. First of all, on our own heart, it calms us down, tames the mind a bit from its more extreme kind of anger, irritation or anxiety, calms us down, makes us feel better when we bring up the thought of metta and it leads straight on to wisdom. We start to understand better what we have to do to be happier as a human being and then it helps us to understand other people because if you understand your own mind better, then you start to understand others. If you understand your own suffering, what you need to do to calm it down and end it, then you're going to see other people are much the same as you. If you understand that anger, being angry is suffering in yourself, you'll know when someone else is angry, they're suffering. The Buddha said, when you see suffering, you have to be mindful. You have to feel calm enough, mindful enough, aware enough to see suffering as suffering. Recognize it for its nature. So this is a very important point in meditation. You know, when we practice metta, it has an end, and that is to develop more more knowledge and understanding, more wisdom of, of the nature of suffering. Because you're, when you're calm, you can see suffering as suffering. 
when we're not very calm and not very aware and we're suffering, we don't see it as anything, we just suffer. <laughs> so when you don't have much mindfulness and you're angry or you're anxious or afraid or you're attached to something, you can't see the suffering when you're not mindful, when you're not feeling calm. When you bring up mindfulness, which is like the practice of metta, brings, brings up the quality of mindful awareness, then you can see what is going on more clearly. So it's like turning the light on in your dark mind, like going into a room that's dark at night and turning the light on. You can see what's in there. So we practice metta to open up, become more aware to the truth that's going on in our mind. Then we can see suffering for what it is. When we can see our own suffering as suffering, then we'll see other people's suffering as suffering. And anyone who can see suffering as it, as it truly is, as something that's painful, something you don't want, then you'll see it the same in others. So you won't want to inflict suffering on other people. So it goes hand in hand. Practicing metta leads on to compassion, leads on to wisdom. As we develop metta for ourselves, we start to feel better. Then as we engage and relate to other people, we also have the wish for them to feel better. If we encounter someone else who's suffering, then we automatically will empathize with them and understand them better because we understand ourselves. You notice when there's conflict in the world, it's because people are not understanding each other. They're not taking the time to do that for whatever reasons. Maybe a complicated situation, but it's because they're not understanding each other then there's no metta, no karuna, no compassion, and things tend to get worse. We feed each other's suffering. I'm suffering, you're going to suffer with me. <laughs> Often we do that. It's one of the reasons why sometimes you get people come up and, you know, out of the blue in your life and make you suffer. It's not necessarily you've done anything wrong, it's just they're suffering and they're looking for a way out, an outlet. <laughs> It's like when I was a kid, if I was suffering, you, know, you clench your fists and you shout a, a lot when you're suffering and you want to make sure everyone else suffers. <laughs> you tell them what's wrong with whatever it is. Suffering is like that. When we're not mindful, we tend to spread it around to others. Metta is the opposite. Metta tends to calm us down and calm other people down. This is why the Buddha gave it as a, as a basic practice, daily practice for, for anyone following the Buddhist path. You know, when you live together, say in a family, maybe one family member is very upset. What's the best thing to do? Well, the best thing to do is spread thoughts of kindness to them. If you can't talk to them for whatever reason, well, you can at least spread thoughts of kindness. If you are able to talk to them, we'll bring up words of ki kindness and understanding that help to soothe them down, support them. After a while, that will have its effect, won't it? Some people are so angry or in so much pain, you can't do it just like that. It maybe takes a long time, many, many conversations or many weeks, many months, even occasionally many years of metta for some people. That just depends on karma. 
That's another aspect of metta. Like just now we chanted, I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, supported by my karma. Why do we introduce the thought of karma when we're practicing metta? It's because everybody is different. That what separates people, the way the Buddha talked about people, is not like according to race, culture, religion, politics, all the kind of normal things that we talk about as differences between people. He separated people according to karma. Because we've all made our own karma and we're receiving the fruits of karma, good and bad. So when you have metta for someone, you have to bear this in mind. Maybe you have show a lot of kindness for one person, but they have lots of negative karma arising in their life, and however much kindness you show, doesn't seem to work. <laughs> they're not yet, see, don't seem to respond, maybe they don't have much gratitude or appreciation, or maybe they're still just caught in their suffering, and it seems like there's nothing you can do. You have to accept maybe that's the karma of the situation. That person has generated so much anger or so much attachment in one way or another that it's burning up their mind. And you know, your metta is just like a drop in the ocean to them. It only helps them a little bit. Even the Buddha said, I can only help people a certain extent. I can't completely remove all their suffering for them. And they have to do that for themselves. Whereas other people, you can be very kind and they respond well. And luckily that happens a lot of the time. You, if you just keep your eyes open, you see human beings practicing kindness for each other every day in the world and responding with kindness as well. So you see somebody lifting a heavy object and someone else comes along and lifts it up. Or someone lost and they ask the way and someone tells them the way. Or somebody just needs some information and you, they ask you or you ask them and you get the information. You know, that's going on every day. People are ha actually helping each other out all the time. It's just so normal that we hardly notice it. We hardly give it a second thought. But again, it's a sign people have metta in their hearts. They have kindness. But obviously some people occasionally get very angry or upset so then you have to maybe try harder or you have to think about it how am I going to show my or practice metta with this person <laughs> not always straightforward basically the practice of metta is acceptance of that person so that's why the Buddha gave this comparison like a mother with a, with a baby and mum with her child doesn't judge the child and say, oh, you should be smarter or you should be better at sport <laughs> or you should look better, you should be more handsome, more pretty. They don't do that. They just say, oh, I love you, whatever. And that's the nearest normal kind of comparison we can have for meta, isn't it? It's just basic love and acceptance of another person. So between a mother and a daughter or mother and a son, well, that's fairly understandable. But then you have, the Buddha said, we have to move this across to start relating to other people in the same way. And it's much more challenging, but it's doable. So we start with this meditation. Like why do we come together to meditate? What do we gain from meditation? 
Well, one thing you can gain is just develop the thought, may all beings be well, may all beings be free from suffering. Even if that thought is challenged and tested on a daily basis, when you encounter you know, difficult people, difficult situations, true, you might lose your metta for a while. But if you return to the thought, when you come to meditate, maybe you meditate once a day, you do this chant once a day, it means you keep returning to the thought, may all beings be well, may all beings be free from suffering. So it starts to affect your attitude to, to people and you bring up metta more easily, you get more fluent at it, more used to it. And one thing you learn from meditation is that as human beings we're conditioned things, conditioned creatures, meaning what we say and do has an effect, comes back on us all the time. It's karma. So if you keep developing the karma of bringing up this thought, may I be well, and then may all beings be well, may all beings be free from suffering, it has an effect, a conditioning effect on your mind. You start to wish people well, the people you meet, strangers or people you work with or family members, or if there's a problem, somebody is upset, angry, you're willing to bring up the thought of kindness to meet their anger rather than your own anger. So it's both a preventative and a remedy. But it's natural. We live in the world, say like this New Year's time, you can think back to this last year, you probably all had some ups and downs in your family or in your workplace or in any kind of group of society, social group you're involved with. There'll be some people maybe who got annoyed with you, angry with you, criticized you. And there'll be some people who praised you and did favors for you and helped you. And there'll be our own memories of ourselves, our own actions. There'll be times when we maybe lost our temper or did something out of anger, and there'll be times when we did very kind things. You can ref refer back, ref reflect back over your year at this time. And it's not to judge yourself too harshly or get too upset or feel guilty, but it's more to learn, to learn from your experience, say, over this last year. Maybe if you lost your temper so many times you can't remember how many times, <laughs> that's a sign that you've got more work to do. If it's just once or twice, you're doing very well. I think most of us, oh, how many times did I lose my temper? 365 days. Mm. <laughs> that's the work you have to do, become more mindful of your actions and their consequences. This is karma. If we keep giving in to our selfishness, our anger, well, it gets, it conditions us in that way. We become that, that kind of person more and more. It's like the, ch the children, you know, if you spoil them, they become spoiled. If we spoil ourselves, we become spoiled. You know, as adults, we're still spoiling ourselves. Often we want to get our own way. Often we neglect things we should be doing or responsibilities. Often we're kind of lazy or just more selfish. And often we respond incorrectly in situations, you know, instead of being patient and bringing up the meta, often we do lose our temper. These are the places we have to learn. 
learn from our experience. So one of the tools the Buddha gave us to learn is meditation. As you practice meditation, what are you doing? You're becoming more observant and getting to know yourself, whatever the meditation technique. So we do practice metta meditation, bringing up the object of goodwill, loving-kindness, and focusing the mind on that with mindfulness from moment to moment. Often you recite the, the phrase, may I be well, may I be free from suffering, or may all beings be well, may all beings be free from suffering. And you hold on to that thought, and you maintain a feeling, maybe a feeling in your heart of goodwill. You have to bring up the feeling as well. That's one meditation, but you may do breath meditation or body contemplation or recollection of the Buddha. There are many meditation methods, but they all aim to do one thing, is bring up more mindfulness in the present moment. Not to be getting so lost in the past, not to be getting lost in the future, but learning to maintain present moment awareness. And this is one part of metta practice and having metta you have to be aware of yourself in the present moment what you're thinking what you're doing so any mindfulness practice is doing this but it's particularly developing the sense of metta because as you become aware you start to see what leads to what you can see if you hold on to negative ways of thinking anger irritation hatred you're suffering if you're attaching to things in your mind, attaching to sense of self to do, say, with your possessions or some person that you love, when, when I say attachment, I mean without much awareness. We're just clinging on to an idea or a concept about that person or that thing being mine, what I want, what I like. We suffer. Mindfulness meditation is starting to show us this, how our mind causes suffering for itself by clinging to various kinds of negative thoughts, stressful thoughts. The more we cling, the more we suffer. It's showing us that, but we have to make the effort to practice. Practice bringing up the awareness, the mindfulness, bringing up the goodwill, and then looking and learning from our experience. The reason we need goodwill is because that's the best attitude to have when you're learning. If you have goodwill, it means you're accepting of yourself, tolerant, at peace with yourself. It doesn't mean to say you're perfect. You may have all kinds of weaknesses and negativity coming up, but you have a good attitude when, when you're facing these things, when you're looking. If you start meditation with the attitude of being very self-critical, which we often are these days, all we can see is what's wrong. You know, I think too much, I'm too angry, I'm too greedy, I'm too worried, too lazy, whatever. If you're too critical from the f beginning of your meditation, you're not going to be able to do it for very long because it's t the, the feeling is too too heavy in the mind. You actually have to begin with the thought of whatever's there in the mind, however I am as a person, I wish myself well. May I be well. 
if you have metta as your first starting point, then you can start to learn. Your mind is calm enough that you can see what's going on and accept it and then learn from that and maybe start to weed out or let go of some of the negative thinking. Even change yourself. New Year's is a time for change, isn't it? Change. We make New Year's resolutions. We we review our lives and say, oh, I need to improve this, do that, do this. Well, this is how we can do it. Practicing more meditation, you become more mindful, more aware of your your mind. You can see what's strong and good, what you need to keep in your character, in your way of thinking, and you can see what's wrong and what, what leads to more suffering. The important thing is you have to be looking, looking in the right place, looking at yourself, which is what you learn in meditation. You think about the last year, how much of the last year did you spend thinking about other people, <laughs> what they've been saying, what they've been doing, you know, normally as human beings our eyes are always going out to others our ears are always listening to others our mind is always thinking about others far too much of the time and we ignore ourselves we're not very mindful, not very aware of ourselves what we say, what we do so we learn very slowly we only change very slowly everyone wants to see results from their meditation and everyone would like to become enlightened, reach Nibbāna. You have to learn to look at yourself more closely. You can't reach Nibbāna looking at other people all the time. <laughs> Even the good people, which you know, it's a blessing if you know good people, good friends is an important part of our life, good teachers, good friends, but they can't do it for you. you know, your good friends can't change your mind it can only be a good example you can follow maybe, but you have to do the practice yourself. You have to make the effort to let go of the anger, let go of the attachment, see it as suffering and then let it go. No one else can do it for you. So this is a good time to Think about these qualities, how to introduce more kindness, more compassion, more mindfulness, more wisdom, more understanding into your life. We have to keep refreshing that. That's why we maybe keep coming back to the monastery, keep practicing meditation, keep being willing to start again, start afresh. One of the problems in our life is as we go through life, we work, we earn money, we look after our families, and we get tired. As you get tired, then you start thinking, oh, I don't want to carry on doing all these things over and over again. When am I going to stop? When do I get my holiday, my rest? Meditation can be the same. If you're lacking goodwill, when you meditate, often it's like, oh, here I am meditating again, same old thoughts, same old stress in my mind, we get tired. So you have to be willing to keep putting fresh effort in. So sometimes it helps when you come to a monastery or go on a retreat or you meet with other people who practice the Dhamma. This helps. Good friendship. You get more energy and you get some good ideas that you can then go back and 
refresh your own practice. And the Buddha gave the teaching, you know, the, the days and nights are endlessly passing. How well am I spending my time? Every day when we wake up, we have to think, well, what, what am I doing here? What's the purpose of my life? Where am I headed? And New Year's an excellent time to do that. Ajahn Chah used to say, ask yourself every day, why am I here? What's the purpose of it all? Because we lose our way very easily. When we do get tired, we start to think more negative thoughts. We kind of give up. You have to refresh that commitment to to learning and to growing as a human being every day while we're here. Ask yourself, why are we a human being? Why are we here? The Buddhist answer is, it's a gift. Our life is a gift from the past. Who gave us this gift? Well, we gave it to ourselves. That person in the last life who made good karma was a cause for us to be born in this life. This life, if we're making good karma, if we haven't reached Nibbāna, then we'll be making a good cause for us to be born next life in a good place. Or if you reduce it down, if you're not sure about past lives, future lives, then just reduce it down to this day. If you want to experience success, happiness tomorrow, where's that going to come from? It comes from what you do today. If you make the effort to do good things today, then that will have a result not only today but tomorrow. Where you are right now today has come from yesterday. If you hadn't become interested in Buddhism, learned about meditation, you wouldn't be here now. Maybe at a party getting drunk, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I used to do before I was a monk on New Year's Eve. Then I learned to meditate. I said, mm, I'm not doing that anymore. Now I'm going to spend my New Year's Eve meditating, listening to Dhamma, doing good things. We learn, but that's cumulative, isn't it? It grows. You, karma is like seeds. So you plant a good seed today, you get the fruit. Maybe it takes time, but the fruit will come. So the fact we're all here as human beings, this is because we've had seeds from the past that are now giving their fruit. The fact that you're all healthy enough to be here. You know, we all have some ailments, but you're still healthy enough to come out and be here. That's, that's the fruits of your good karma. So practicing metta, kindness, goodwill, is like planting seeds. It's not that they'll always give immediate results. Sometimes it takes time, doesn't it? Like any plant, you have to water it and fertilize it. It will take time before it gives its result. One of the problems with our modern age is we're all keen for quick results. You know, we want, want to go on a, a three-day meditation retreat and get enlightened. <laughs> Easy as that. Or go and hear one Dhamma talk and get enlightened. People even ask that. They say, oh, in the time of the Buddha you hear one Dhamma talk and got enlightened. Why in this day and age you hear hundreds of Dhamma talks, listen to them all the time and still not enlightened. We want quick results. But that wanting is another delusion. It's another cause of our suffering. We have to go back to the causes, the seeds, plant the seeds and look after the causes and care for our mind. Then trust that over time the good results will come.
Sometimes Ajahn Chah used to say, human mind is like an orphan, a child who's orphan, no parents. Doesn't mean to say we have no parents, and most of you probably have parents, but your mind is like an orphan, meaning we don't look after it as well as we should. The Dhamma that you use, what you hear, and then what you practice is like parents coming to help that orphan child, your mind. So you have to ask yourself, say in this last year, how many times did you sit down and think about your mind, looking after it? What do I need to do for my mind to be happier, to end suffering? If we're honest, we don't do this very much. (laughs) Most of our time, we're just going on autopilot, get up, go to work, earn money, come home, do a few activities, sleep, get up, (laughs) go to work, earn money, come home, do a few things, go to sleep. It's like that every day, every day. Very habitual. We very rarely do we stop and say, what am I actually doing with my life? Where is it going? What's the point? How well am I looking after my mind? Why am I suffering here? Why am I stressed? What can I do about it? Often we don't do much of that. So our mind is almost like this orphan. It's not looked after by anybody. It's just kind of drifting along. Very sad. Sometimes if you look at it, oh, it's very sad. Human beings, they have all this great potential. We can even become Buddhas or become Arahants, become enlightened. But are we fulfilling our potential? Maybe not. Maybe our potential is just spend the night watching movies, chatting with our friend on Facebook, whatever it is, lying on our back sleeping. (laughs) Often our, our potential, we're just realizing a very small amount. We still have more to do. So this is a good evening to appreciate that you know what good i've done okay we've done some good in our life but what more do i need to do in northeast thailand where i started as a monk the monks there they when they give a talk they're not nice and soft and gentle like this that their job they say is to arouse energy in the practice so their talks often very kind of hard-hitting, direct, critical talks. Maybe I should do more of that, I don't know. <laughs> There's one time Ajahn Ch- uh, Sumedho came to visit from England when I was staying in Thailand. It was about 30 years ago. He got off a plane from England um, and came straight to Ubon, and the day was the day of um, Wat Bapong, Ajahn Chah's monastery's Katina, It's a big celebration, and in in that monastery they have Dhamma teachings all night from visiting monks. And they said, the monks, they they were sitting down before the evening meeting, and they said, oh, Ajahn Samedo, you just arrived from England. Everyone will want to see you and hear from you, so you can give the first talk. He said, well, I've been on a plane for about 15 hours from England to Bangkok and then up to here. I'm a bit tired. And they said, no, 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 they'll love you. You just go out there. And he said, well, I don't know. I've been traveling. I don't know what to talk about. And the monk said, no, not a problem. Just go out there hitting them as hard as you can. Just tell them they're all really lazy, good for nothing, so don't practice what the Buddha taught, and they should really be ashamed of themselves. If you, if you say that, then they'll really sit up straight and take notice. <laughs> 
So that's how they, they want you to teach in Northeast Thailand. Uh, he didn't really do that. He didn't talk like that. But that's what they, the instructions he received. But sometimes the monks give really hard-hitting talks and you see the people, the, the tougher the monk is, the more he scolds the people, they'll sit up straighter. And they absorb it. They say it's a bit like a boxing match. You hit them here, you hit them there, and just keep pounding them until they submit to the Dhamma. So that's, that's another way to do it. The way in the West is a bit more gentle. You have to more kind of gently introduce themes of Dhamma and encourage people. That's because in the West we're already very self-critical, very negative people. So you have to do a different approach. It's a bit like massage, like there's, there's one masseur we know in Bangkok who does Thai people and Western people. And he was giving me a massage once and he said, oh, the difference between the Thais and the Westerns is so, so clear, isn't it? The Thais, you massage them, the harder you squeeze, the more pain you inflict. And they say, oh, the better he is. The Westerners, you have to do it really gently and softly, soothe them, and then they say, oh, he's really good. If you give them a little bit of pain, they don't like it, they don't want it, they don't come back. So in the West, the Dhamma is like that. We introduce the Dhamma, we have to be very gentle and keep everybody happy, but maybe it's not always the best for us, is it? Perhaps I should sit here and say, you're all lazy. That's what we need on a night like tonight because we're going to stay up all night meditating. If I say you're all good, then you'll just go back to sleep, won't you? <laughs> so the Dhamma, part of the job of the Dhamma is to wake us up, wake us up to the truth. As I said, sometimes they, t- they treat it like a boxing match, like Ajahn Mahabua, another great enlightened master, he used to teach about metta, he said, what is metta? Well, every time you're angry, just hit it where you see it. Hit that anger. He said the, the one time you can use anger in Dhamma practice is when you're angry. So if you're angry, be angry that you're angry and really hit it and tell yourself, don't get angry, don't speak like that, don't do that. That's how he practiced. So I guess there's some different approaches. Metta is like that. It has to be a little bit flexible. It's, it's combined with wisdom. So sometimes you have to see what's appropriate. If you're, your habit is you're always losing your temper and you're really not getting to grips with it, maybe you have to give yourself a kick up the backside and really be hard on yourself and say, don't get angry. Maybe you have to inflict some punishment on yourself. If I get angry again today, I'm not going to eat for the rest of the day or do something you know, that really inflicts a good lesson on you. If you're angry all the time, maybe the kindest thing to do is that every time I'm angry, I'm going to have to donate another $10 <laughs> to some good cause. You know, Hit yourself in your purse, your wallet. Maybe that will help. There's, there's different approaches you use. But metta is like that. It's not always just soothing and forgiving in that sort of soft, gentle way. Sometimes it is, that's what's needed. But sometimes you have to hit hard as well. You have to be tough on yourself and say, oh, if I'm lazy, then I have to get up. Like monks, when they're lazy, if I sleep in in the morning, don't do my meditation, I won't eat today. 
that's also meta, just as much as, oh, please have some nice food or something, you know, being kind to someone. You also say, oh, have no food. But you're doing it to yourself. It's not anyone else's inflicting it on you. You learn often by bringing up the consequences of your actions. Or sometimes when monks are having trouble with sleepiness, they say, oh, if I keep falling asleep in my meditation, I can't go back to my hut tonight. I just have to stay out, either outdoors or in the hall. Or if they're really, really uh, struggling with sleepiness, in, when we used to live in Thailand, we used to send them to the charnel ground, the cremation ground. So if you, you won't fall asleep there because you'll be so afraid of ghosts. You go and sl- sit meditation through the night in the cremation ground, you know, any sound, you think, what's that, what's that? <laughs> So you're not so sleepy. Sometimes you have to be tough on yourself. Rajan Chah used to say, oh, if somebody's sleepy all the time, then go and put them in in their hut and then throw a cobra in with them. (laughs) You don't fall asleep very easily with a snake in there with you. You can sleep with a snake. I've done it before. I remember once a green snake they're the kind of snakes that eat geckos, and they are poisonous. They could kill you. They certainly um, give you a lot of pain. I once went into my kuti and when I was a young monk, and there was a green snake in there having a fight with a gecko, and in the end, the gecko lost, and it bit the snake, but then the snake's venom killed it, so it died with its mouth around the snake. And the snake spent the rest of the night swallowing it and then it just slept there right next to me there's nothing I could do because it's a venomous snake so you can actually live with, sleep with a snake it just shows you, you know, if you're really sleepy then you'll sleep with anything <laughs> but generally speaking if you meet a snake you know, it wakes you up doesn't it that's another good way to deal with, with things So metta is something we have to apply in different ways. If somebody is very stressed, angry, well, maybe they do need to hear some soothing words. Or Like my auntie used to, when somebody got angry, she always said, oh, come and have a cup of tea. (laughs) It usually works. (laughs) Catch them off guard. When they're caught into their angry train of speech, you just slip the metta in. It's like, oh, what? Oh. And suddenly they're caught out and they can't continue their anger because you've, you've caught them off guard and you bring them down to earth with some metta. Come and have a cup of tea and some cake. <laughs> can work. You have to think what's appropriate for the situation. So, I've been talking a bit about metta tonight, uh, this quality that the Buddha said supports the world or nourishes the world or binds us together it's something to aspire to to bring up more metta for the new year every moment your mind has kindness has goodwill that's a moment without anger so every time you bring up metta at that moment there's less anger in the world and the only way we can do it is through our own efforts 
You know, we often we go on protest marches or we vote for things and we have our opinions and, and they may all be relevant, but you know, they're not it's not certain what outcome will come if you you know, you vote for somebody or you protest or you're kind of pushing through some policy or you're fighting for some cause. You can't be quite sure what the outcome will be. But if you bring up a moment of meta in your own heart right now, right here, you can be 100% sure that you're reducing the anger, the stress, the negativity in the world at that moment. You have no doubt about that because you see for yourself, you know for yourself. So if you join some of those moments up, there's this picture Ajahn Chah used to draw you. Know, every moment of mindfulness joined up becomes something continuous, or every moment of metta joined up, it becomes something continuous. Is it like a tap? You turn a tap on, turn it on a little bit, it just drips. You turn it on a bit more, it starts to flow, becomes continuous. If you bring up metta once, that will be cause for metta to come again and again and again until it becomes continuous. It just becomes normal for you to have goodwill, even in the face of adversity. You, know, you meet difficult people or difficult situations, you can still meet them with metta. So maybe that's tonight is a good, good night just to set yourself in the right direction for the new year. What quality do I want to bring up? Or well, more metta, more goodwill. And from there, more compassion, more forgiveness more wisdom, more understanding. These are far more valuable qualities to us than just the you know, the, the money, the property, the the fame, the good reputation, the number of friends we've got, all the kind of normal things human beings get caught up in. You know, all of that is very superficial, it doesn't last very long. But these inner qualities, the metta, the compassion, the mindfulness, the wisdom, these last from lifetime to lifetime. So I'll encourage you all to practice that and in a moment we'll finish and then we'll uh, have a break for refreshments and then if you want you can come back and just practice metta meditation for the whole night and think of nothing else and I guarantee you that would be a good well, a well spent night, good way to spend your time or at least part of the time bring up thoughts of kindness for yourself or everyone else. So I'll end the talk here. Wish you all success, happiness for the new year. And uh, we can finish now. We'll pay respects to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha.